Oh, I'm getting worked up. I'm getting worked up, hoping this is burning some calories. Hey everyone, welcome back to season two, episode two of Digging Through Dominoes. And I tell you what, we have some dominoes to dig through today. If you're new here, my name's Terry Anderson. In this podcast, we discover and talk about the dominoes of our past, how they affect our present, and how we can change the future by sort of rearranging the ones that were laid out for us. It's been a hectic year. Hence, episode two coming in March. This is, let's get down to business here. For the last few years, I have made the conscious decision to stay above the fray with most people unless they completely attack me with lies and, you know, things like that. And I've addressed those on my podcast because I think it's really important to acknowledge the toxic family system. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the toxic family system. There's something I came across on Facebook today, and it says, remember, some people will accuse you of things you haven't done. When that happens, it's usually because they are projecting their own insecurity and problems onto you. Oh my gosh, do we have some projection happening here? And it all stems from something I've tried to steer away from on this podcast, but it, it does enter in that into the toxic family system that we speak about on here. CPTSD, childhood trauma, neglect, parenting styles, all of that sort of thing. So many of you know my son. I had a 28-year-old son that was severely mentally ill and was on the streets of Portland for about 10 years before his body was found last October 7th after lying in front of the Salvation Army for more than 40 hours. I had just my YouTube channel going at the time, and someone reached out to me and asked me to get in touch with someone else. I, it's, this was nothing I was promoting. I was coming from a mother's point of view in the ridiculousness of Portland, Oregon. So somebody reached out to me and hooked me up with this woman. I did a podcast with her. And through all of that, I got a phone call from a reporter on Coin News here. Her name was Elise Haas. Very, very nice, wonderful, wonderful woman. And she wanted to do a story. They were doing stories on the lack of mental health care that we are experiencing on a daily basis for those that need it most here in Oregon. She spoke to me and another mother, and it was a two-part special on the mental health system in Portland. And if we need to have civil commitment, which is a huge yes and would have saved my son's life in this case, and it was something that I fought for for 10 years, that led to, okay, we did the the two-part series. I'll link all of this below so you can see it. Then I got a phone call back and they wanted me to be on one of their town halls they were doing on something in Oregon that's called Measure 110. Let me bring Measure 110 up for you. It's just a bunch of, it's a bunch of stuff that in my opinion, and you're going to hear me saying in my opinion a lot on this, 
episode because, well, we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay, measure 110. They go into talking about drug addiction and overdoses are a serious, serious problem in Portland. They are. They're not mentioning mental illness. Oregon needs to expand access to drug treatment. They do. A health-based approach, in addition to overdose, is more effective than criminal punishments. Uh, wrong. I'm not an Obama fan, but if you look at the Obama drug courts, you will see his drug courts had at the one-year mark huge, huge success rates. And at the two-year mark, his success rates with drug court were still off the charts. I think they were like, and I'm just pulling a rabbit out of hat here. Because, Well, no, let's look back to uh, Twitter here. All right, with the Obama drug courts, here are the statistics. Obama funded drug courts because mandatory rehab works and incentivizes addicts. 84% of drug court graduates were not rearrested and charged with a serious crime in the first year after graduation. And at the two-year mark, 72.5% had no arrests. Now, whether you like Obama or not, drug courts with teeth work. Oregon Health Authority, this, this town hall I did, um, okay, this measure 110 is, is what I'm looking at. And it talks a lot about treatment and recovery grants. Whenever I hear the, 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 the word grants in Portland, it's really a freaky term because here, what we did is we decided in Multnomah County, I'm not in Multnomah County, they decided they over collected homeless tax and they underspent funding, federal funding. So what did they do? They rent warehouses and they store tents that homeless people could have been put in so they could keep up with their funding. So whenever I hear funding and when I hear grants, you know, that's a huge red flag, especially in an area like Portland. And nowhere in Measure 110 does it address mental health. I may be wrong, but I have never seen one addicted person ever say, I just woke up one day and wanted to be a drug addict. I wanted to do meth the rest of my life and destroy my brain and everything in it. I wanted the fentanyl. Not one person I know of has ever said that that has not had mental illness, domestic violence, sex trafficking, or other, other forms of abuse. Measure 110 does not come close. They don't even mention the root of the problem, which is mental illness. There's a reason I'm telling you this. All right. I went to that town hall. They asked me to bring my son. Or actually, I think an attorney and I, a friend of mine who happens to be attorney, she and I were talking about, and I said, you know, I, I really want to bring Joshua so they can see the reality of measure 110. When you don't treat the mental illness, this is the reality of what happens. Okay, so from that connection, lots of great things have happened. Lots of really great things have happened. But some things, which I, I think can be really great things, I think this could be brought up as a great thing. 
Let me get back to it. I was on Twitter and I, of course, I tweeted out the links because my objective is not fame, <laughs> although my nephew seems to think that. We're going to get into that in a minute as well. I went on to Twitter and I tweeted out, hey, here's the links if you want to see them, da-da-da-da. And then the reporter sent me a screenshot from one of her friends that said, damn, that town hall was really good. The mom who brought in her son's ashes had the most powerful moment and totally slapped the Measure 110 proponent, Anthony Johnson, in the face with her words. So I tweeted that out because it's like, yeah, maybe something's going to get done and we can address the root cause, which is mental illness. So my nephew, whom I have not spoken to in probably a decade, who has some, in my opinion, problems of his own, retweeted that. And he said, except she's lying. Okay, I haven't spoken to him. He never got in touch with me with condolences over the death of my son. But now he has all of this stuff he wants to say. So that was the first tweet. Second tweet was, I put out a huge missing piece of measure 110 is the root cause of addiction, which is mental illness and homelessness. And I treated that, tweeted that out to Sharon Mirren, Tina Kotek, the Oregon governor, Oregon secretary of state, Shamia Fagan, I believe is her name, the reporters and coin news. It's like, why does no one get mental health is a huge part of this. I've been affected with mental health issues. My family, my, every one of my children has been affected with mental health issues. My family of origin is affected with mental health issues. So why would this not be something I would want to promote? I'm not promoting me. I'm promoting Measure 110 and showing where there are problems in it. Okay, so this is what my nephew had to say when he retweeted it. Thanks for the retweet, Andrew. I really appreciate um, the truth of Measure 110 getting out. But this is libelous. This statement he made here is libelous, and I am keeping track of everything that is happening. What you're putting out, what about... Putting out your son on the street at gunpoint, that was a root cause. Yes, there seems to be this. You know when you, hit the thing, Terry. You know when you start out with playing that game of telephone and somebody says something at one end and it goes through all of these people and it gets to the other end and it is nothing what happened. We didn't put our son out on the street at gunpoint. That never happened. And the person that he's hearing this from was not here at the house the night Joshua, the police took Joshua because he was trying to kill me. Never happened. There was a gun involved because my son was trying to kill me. So what happened was his dad's on one side of this very gigantic island we have. I'm on the other side with my son, Joshua. My husband does have, have his gun out. And I'm on the phone with 911 calling the police saying he's in another rage. They knew us well. We have a long history with them because of Joshua and other foster kids. 
for them to come out. It's not safe. You need to come out. So they came out. The police then told us we did the very right thing. They took Joshua down to the guitar center. And from then it ended up, he ended up on the streets and did not want to come home because he said he liked the streets. Okay. So that's really the reality of what happened. Um, Joshua never had a gun at his head. We had self-protection. We had the police come over a couple of times and they saw how strong Joshua was and they were as frustrated as we were. And at one point I ended up in the hospital. Joshua ended up in the hospital. Several of us ended up in the hospital because of Joshua's uncontrollable rages. They advised us to keep flex cuffs and pepper spray in the house in strategic locations to keep people safe. They didn't want Joshua attacking anyone and they didn't want any, any altercations. So we did that. We're trying to keep our son safe. So first of all, Andrew, this is libel that you're putting out. Joshua was not put on the street at gunpoint. Check your short, your sources. Your source is slandering me. I texted my brother when these two tweets I got screenshots of. And I said, look, you need to call Andrew and tell him to back off. Because I will file a libel lawsuit against him. And he will be called in a slander lawsuit against the person who is giving him this false information in projecting, projecting, in lying in trying to defame me. Now, you're not going to see me this up and angry much because that is part of my life I've really dealt with. But I'm not lying down for these people anymore. This is bullshit. I'm sorry. To attack my son and then to lie about me. Oh, say, okay, so Andrew didn't just retweet my tweets, which I'm very thankful for because it, word got spread. He called the news station. He emailed the reporter. So he's actively trying to slander and commit libel. He's trying to destroy my reputation. He doesn't even know me and what I have gone through and what I have done to come back from where I once was. So, you know, I kind of let those go. I sent them to my brother and, you know, ask him to tell Andrew to stop it. Well, then this morning, I received this. I'm going to put screenshots of this so you can read it kind of as I'm reading it. In the video portion of this, Andrew has friends that are my family. He has friends on his Facebook account that know me. They're watching out for me because they know the truth. They lived through the truth and they were here. I'm in Oregon. Andrew's in Texas. So this is what Andrew said on his, which I find hilarious, an update. So that tells me, okay, if he doesn't want to have anything to do with me, why is he stalking my social media, my podcast, and my YouTube channel? 
Doesn't seem legit to me. Seems like something's up. And it seems like, in my opinion, there's an agenda. This is an article about my cousin Joshua. What's sadder than the fact that he died of a drug overdose on the street is the fact, or is the true story of how he ended up there. Not the story that the woman I used to call my aunt told. She lied. She didn't bother to call family. She made a YouTube video as soon as it happened. I'm assuming he's talking about the death. Yes, I did. There is a video. I'll link that in here as well. After the, the police left, I was so angry at Portland for letting my son not only die a cruel and inhumane death, but live a cruel and inhumane life that I did make a video because people need to see what the hell is going on in this godforsaken city. It is nuts. It's absolutely crazy. And I make no apologies for that. If he wants to see it in a different light, that's fine. That's fine. I have no problem with that. He can see it however he wants to. Just don't lie about it. She lied. She didn't even bother to call the family. Really, we don't have their contact information. And no, the family knew that their brother had died. And you know how many of them showed concern? Zero. Except the two living with me. Zero. One person that is in the family, but not by blood, did show concern, did make an effort because we had lost a child. My aunts didn't call me. My cousins didn't call me. My brothers didn't call me. My nieces and nephews didn't call me. The other kids didn't call. They showed the very same concern for Joshua in his death that they show for him in his life. None. And a lot of the older children in this family tormented Joshua to the point of breaking. They thought it was funny to throw him into the ring when my husband and I would go get coffee. They would move the furniture out in the living room, grab Joshua and throw him in like, kind of like a wrestling type of a ring. If, if you move the furniture out of our, the way in, in the living room, there's this big open area, ring the dinner bell and they would make him fight someone. They thought that was funny. It wasn't funny. It was abuse. But they don't mention that to Andrew. All right, she lied. She didn't bother to call family. I don't have their numbers. They know where I am. They, they knew that their brother died. She made a YouTube video as soon as it happened. Yeah, I did. I've explained that. She never invited all of his siblings to the funeral. There was no funeral. There was not a funeral. There was a viewing at the funeral home before cremation. And at that point, word had already spread through the family about Joshua's death. Yet no one, no one picked up a phone and called and said, how are you can we help? I don't care if you have differences with someone or not. When their child dies, 
you want to say Joshua's life mattered. These people are saying Joshua's life didn't matter. And how can I invite someone if I don't know where they are? They know where we live. They have our phone numbers. They chose not to reach out. They chose not to attend and see their brother and tell him goodbye one last time. That was their choice. That was not my choice. So Andrew is committing libel again. She put him on the street at gunpoint when he turned 18 and the foster care check stopped coming in. Okay, this is brilliant. He doesn't know how the foster care system works. Joshua was never in foster care. We didn't get any payments for Joshua. We adopted him at birth. He was our legal son and there were never foster care payments made for Joshua. And as soon as adoption stops, foster care payments stop. Joshua, having not been in the foster system, never received foster care funds. So there is another libelous statement from my nephew. At gunpoint, we, I put him on the streets. No, um, I think it was the police that picked him up and took him away. That's all in legal reports. The reporter has everything. I send her every bit of documentation I had on Joshua. This other one, she explained to me at age six what was wrong with him. She already knew. It's a shame the investigative reporter never did her research. I didn't explain anything at age six because I didn't know what was wrong with Joshua until he was seven years old. I had taken him from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor to try and find out what was wrong with my son. And I didn't find out until he was seven at OHSU what was wrong and that for everything that was going on with him, it fell under the umbrella of autism. So yet another lie upon lie. And this is what happens when you don't go to the source, read the reports like the investigative reporter did because I sent her everything. And people start just talking smack because they think they can. If you watch the interview, you can almost see Terry smile. The other woman has a breakdown and cries. Yes, the other mom did, but she was crying and I was trying to hold it together. You know what that's called? It's called being numb. I fought this system for decades with Joshua. Andrew does not have any clue of the trauma that has gone on in our family, in my family, or what was happening with me. I was numb. You cannot, you cannot tell another person how they're supposed to grieve. I was very numb and I was very angry. Danny Andrew says, Terry claims she wants justice for Joshua, but all she wants is fame. I don't want fame. I want the mental health system in the state of Oregon reformed. My son did not have to die. And, I, and kind of in a way, I'm glad that Andrew did this because I'm, I'm able to address it instead of just sitting on it. You know, there have been a lot of lies spread. Okay, I'm fine with that. I broke. If you listen to the pro 
the podcast, I tell you step-by-step how I broke, problems I had, mistakes I made. I admit to every one of them. So I'm a little confused about how the, well, I'm not confused about how the lies got out there because there are people, there is someone that is spreading that lie. There are a couple of people that are spreading that lie because of their hatred of me and their hatred of me comes because I know their secrets. I know the money they stole from me, the hundreds of thousands of dollars. I know the drug addiction in my, in my entire family of origin. Okay. There have been affairs. There have been many drug addictions. There has been a lot of sexual abuse. There have been breakdowns. There have been divorces. There have been, you name it, kids that won't work. There have been any number of things that have happened. And so I think what they're, they're coming at is let's discredit her in case she says something about us. So then she's not going to look like the bad person. Well, hello, I haven't told your secrets to anyone and I'm talking to all of you. Every single one of you. You know why? Because I don't have anything to prove. I don't have to sit here and prove myself by lying or opening up your stories that your story, your, your problems are not mine to tell. My problems are mine to tell. But since Andrew has decided he's going to take this on and tell the world libelous bullshit that he's gotten from two other sources that have a very specific reason for wanting to make sure people stay away from me. We have the perfect storm for a wonderful lawsuit of libel and slander, in my opinion. So it's, it's been really, it's, it's, it's really crazy um, because I talked to a person a couple of days ago, this person, oh my gosh, I just love her so much. She's so wonderful. And she said to me, she's not part of my family. She said, I cannot believe what your kids write on social media. They knew Joshua had died, but they refused to reach out. How callous is that? Well, Andrew's sort of proving the point. And, you know, like I said, I had made my mind up with this podcast and with my videos and things that I was not going to call the cattle black because, hell, I admit what I've done. If you want to discredit me, go ahead. But if you're going to lie about me, be prepared for me to fight back. I'm not lying back anymore. I did that with Margot. I let her lies go everywhere. I didn't stop them because I wanted to take the higher ground. Guess what? People agree with me because they saw what the hell was going on. Oh, I'm getting worked up. I'm getting worked up, hoping this is burning some calories. But yeah, that that's enough about him. I don't want him to take up the rest of this. I just wanted to set the, since he apparently is listening to what I put out, and I'm going to tag him in this. I, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I cannot freaking believe that someone has the gall 
not to get the truth and to try to discredit a mother who is trying to fight a system that killed her son. And then the part about foster care payments, oh my gosh, give me a break. Never received foster care payments from Joshua. I know I've said that before, but my gosh, I think it's just, it blows my mind how toxic families can do this and build web upon web upon web upon web and that they will follow you to get any information, which is easy because I have my account set for friends of friends for specific reasons. And there are people that have unblocked me specifically to see what I'm putting on Facebook. Well, hopefully, I don't know if they're let down or if they're happy because they're not seeing me trash anyone because that's, that's not me. I admit there was a time when I had, I would lash out. I was so angry. I was so hurt. And there were a lot of tragedies. There were a lot of deaths. There were a lot of traumas. There was a lot that I was dealing with. And at that time, I couldn't really put my finger on all of it. Now I know what all of it or most of it was and what some of it continues to be. And I'm not going to lay back and let them do this. And I'm going to encourage you, don't do it either. Of course, you need to think about it yourself and how that's going to affect you. Luckily, the people that Andrew thought he was retweeting already have all the information. They have the whole stack of medical records. They have all the legal police reports. They have everything. So they're looking at him like, what is wrong with this kid? I'm like, I don't know, but none of my kids were ever thrown out of NASA for throwing a tantrum. You know, it, it, it's, it's just, it, it blows my mind. So one of the things it tells me, not only by the way my brother responded to me, which I'm going to keep his stuff private because I am respect. My brother has not come after me. If he does, I'll figure out how to deal with it then. But the way my brother responded to me shows me he's in the same place I was 10 years ago. Not wanting to admit that we were brought up in a very toxic family environment that almost destroyed each and every one of us, in my opinion. I know how it affected me. I know a little bit of how it affected this particular brother just from things that he said in the past that, you know, are private. But it tells me that I need to really keep the prayers going for my brother because I don't want him to go through what I went through. I don't want anyone to have to suffer through the things I had to suffer through there's something here I wanted to read. This writing by Stephanie Bennett Henry pretty much sums up how I feel today. Pick me apart. There are no secrets left in my pieces. I broke myself up a long time ago. Went face first into the chaos got to the bottom of the madness and burned it all down to light the path for my journey. Can you see it now? 
Well, I don't need you to see me because I finally see myself. I turned over every piece of me, who I've been and who I am now. Dug deep enough to search for the reasons that made me look away. All the light that made me stay and even the dark that nobody could see but me. I'm still here. Left some of those pieces under that dark sky. Left the storm that had become my safe place. Decided not to be small anymore. I finally learned through all the lessons, building myself back up, recreating, reinventing the falls I never saw coming in all of those long ways around that I don't need to be anyone other than me. In all of my light, in all of my dark, just like this, I am enough. That, this woman has tremendous insight. And to have insight like that, I think she would probably had to have gone through something very similar as I. And truthfully, that makes me hurt for her. I went through some of the most outrageous hell after my parents died that I've ever been through. And right now, I, I, I tell you, I'm at a place in my life where I feel free. I feel grounded. I tell my therapist the other day, I, I always, I had felt, especially after my dad died, like a kite whose string had been cut. And I finally feel that I have grabbed a hold of that string and I have brought the kite back to me. I'm now controlling the kite. I'm controlling its path. I'm controlling my life which is something I don't really think I ever did before. I think I reacted and I did that to my brother. And I don't, I, I, I know my brother's not going to listen to this, but if he does happen to, I owe my brother an apology because I reacted when I, when this text, um, screenshot was sent to me this morning, I reacted. I should have waited. I should have thought it over and realized my brother is not his son. And I went in with guns blazing because Andrew has just continually done this. And that was wrong of me. That was so wrong of me because when I came across like that, my brother didn't see the hurt. He didn't see the pain. He felt attacked. Just like I had felt attacked. And that was so very wrong. But I thought that was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Go ahead and pick me apart. I'll tell you anything you want to know. I am thankful for the darkness because without the darkness, you can't see the light. I'm thankful for the broken pieces because that's how the light gets in. Try and pull some of these little memes up to see if anything... Oh, this is something it has really nothing to do with anything I'm talking about, but I find it very, very true as I'm going through these memes that I've got to put up on my Digging Through Domino's page. And I always wondered about this, why internet friendships can form such a strong bond. 
And it talks about internet friendships exist. It works. And it creates bonds that are so, that are as strong, if not stronger, because these are not people you are judging by looks, by money or status. These people are people you've met because of their personalities, their fandoms, their likes, their interests, their standpoints, their viewpoints, the talents they have in their real lives that were never appreciated. And I, I found that very true in my blog. I find it true in my videos. I find it true in my Twitter. I can connect with people that don't see me as that facade that I had created, but they see me for what's inside in the struggle that they can relate to. And I think that's a very beautiful thing. And I think this is something I'm going to end on. Um, I was supposed to have a pre-interview today. I have four or five people lined up for pre-interviews to do on the podcast for episodes. And that's coming in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully we'll have some of that up. You guys, you rock. But this is what I want you to remember. And this is what I want to end on. Everything has changed. And yet, I am more me than I have ever been. You guys, I want to thank you for hanging out. I want to thank you for listening to my rants and my rages and in my opinions. And I will put those screenshots up for you to read along as I am reading them. And you can see just absolutely how ludicrous they are. I mean, an investigative reporter doesn't just take the word of someone they uh, investigate. So I guess that's it. You guys check out the YouTube channel. If you think that you may want to be a guest, drop it in the comments. Let me know. Email me at diggingthroughdominoes at gmail.com. Get in touch. Let's make that happen. This is how people heal by uncovering the darkness and letting the light in. And I realize that sometimes it takes years for that to happen. I think that's all I have, guys. I'll see you later.